Welcome to Become an Idol. This is episode 16, UX and UI for Instructional Design with Melanie Sexton. I'm Dr. Robin Sargent, owner of Idol Courses. This is the place where newbies come to learn and veterans share their knowledge. In this episode, I'll be chatting with Melanie Sexton about tools, best practices, tips, challenges, and resources for designing the most effective user experiences and user interfaces for instructional designers. I have here with me today, Melanie Sexton, and I actually met Melanie through, first it was like the Become an Idol Facebook group, and it was right at the very beginning that I was even starting this podcast, uh, she reached out to me and said, oh, you know, I would love to come on your podcast, um, I have some things that uh, we could talk about in instructional design and illustration, and and now Melanie has actually uh, moved on from that, and I've seen her in LinkedIn and uh, all those other kinds of things, and now she's focusing on user experience and user interaction design, and because she comes from a place of instructional design, and she's still kind of in that world, I thought, oh my gosh, she has to come and talk to us about these principles of UX and UI. So, so Melanie, that is not all that you are, is how I met you. So will you please introduce yourself to the Become an Idol community? Sure, thank you so much for having me today, Robin. Um, yes, my, my name is Melanie Sexton. Um, I currently am a senior e-learning developer for Sonatype, and I do come from the instructional design field but what's interesting is I did not study instructional design. I actually am trained as an illustrator, as Robin was saying, um, particularly in comic art. And from there, I went to become an educator for higher ed and um, for libraries, teaching everything from graphic design to art history and animation, uh, video production, and in libraries, 3D printing. But then I got tired of teaching in front of the classroom, so I decided to come behind the scenes and do instructional design and create online trainings. My clients include um, government nonprofits, the US military as a contractor, Blackboard, but then I decided to move more into user experience design, and I was given a, a very unique opportunity at Blackboard to work on the, the design team. I helped to um, design features for Blackboard Learn Ultra. And as I continue my journey to better understand you, what UX, UI, and uh, research within this realm can be, I'm actually back in school part-time right now at Austin Community College to, again, better understand UX and UI. And, perhaps the parallels that come into instructional design. Oh my gosh. So you just are a wealth of knowledge. And so you have to tell us, how did you actually become an idol in the first place? The very first time. So I would have to say that, um, you know, after looking at the Idol Academy and then 
Also looking on LinkedIn, I've spent years cultivating and growing a network of people who are into education, libraries, instructional design, seeing what the trends are, seeing what's popular. It really wasn't until, and prior to coming into the instructional design field, I have had ex exposure um, and knowledge within a bunch of different um, video production, audio production, graphics type of software. But I think it wasn't until I started to go a little bit deeper into UX design and particularly in the research. So I was a part of a research project when I was at Blackboard that did focus on understanding instructional design. It was very ironic because I had come from that field at that time. And so to better survey and understand how instructional designers work in the field, what tools they use, what are some of the challenges they face, what are some of the opportunities that are coming down the pipeline, and so that project made me realize that this is actually a really cool field and some of the tools and knowledge and experience that I was getting within user experience could be directly translated into instructional design, which is why I made the switch back to instructional design. And um, I have been sharing what I, a little bit of tools and experience and I've been um, creating new experiences with my team in terms of what can be achieved using UX design. It's so fascinating. I love your posts on uh, LinkedIn or whatever. I always see them and I love how you just um, share even like your behind the scenes and some of your finished projects and it's really kind of like how we're learning with you and I just love that you do that. So um, so now your current expertise is kind of a combo of uh, UX design and instructional design. So can you um, tell us like what's the, the actual difference between um, user experience design and user interaction design? So I think UX and UI are like how you're saying UI is the same um, because when you think about a user experience, this can be physical, it can be digital. Um, if you think about a user experience, it is simply what are the happy times, what are the challenging times that a user experiences while going through a process or experiencing a product. Interaction in how you define UI would be those different touch points of um, what the user experiences at different states within a process or a product. But UI can also be user interface. And so a lot of people do get UX, user experience, and user interface UI mixed up. UX is the whole comprehensive experience. UI, a user interface, is more of the visual design of what a web or mobile app may have in a physical sense um, because user experience does come out of product design. Um, and product design, anything from cars to tables um, to the, the physical sense of your phone. But UI is that visual element of when you look at a screen in particular, what do you see? What does the user interact with? Um, 
So that's a little bit of a difference. Oh my gosh, I think you even clarified. I think I thought, I think I said interaction instead of interface. And I just, I didn't even like have that in my head as what the, <laughs> what the acronym was for. Thank you. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Um, and so can you now tell us like, why is UX so important for our own designs and online learning? That's a really good question, and I, I think it's a good point to bring up because with online learning, you want your user not only to go through, for example, a compliance training. We all know that people have to go through that, whether it's internal or external, but it's so important to consider that user's experience from start to finish because one, who, and, and you think about different compliance trainings that are out there now, who groans, right? When they hear compliance training or safety training, no one really wants to take it. It has this very negative connotation. So when you start to consider what the user's needs are, what is the journey that they're going to take in taking a training or going through online learning? Once you start to understand what their needs are, what and how can you make it more pleasant for them? How can you address their challenges as a designer? Then that's where the change happens. And once you put UX at the forefront and you start researching and understanding prior to creating an online training, that's where the user, your learner, may have a much more delightful experience. And that should be what the goal is within instructional design. You want to have those learners come back for more. Absolutely. I mean, the way that you enjoy something is even the way that it's gonna stick for somebody. So, all right, so I'm sold. I want to include <laughs> like a thoughtful UX process in my next e-learning course. So what are maybe like, some basic rules of thumb or just a high level process that you can give me or what would you tell me if I wanted to start being more um, aware of UX design for my e-learning courses? So one way to consider this is to start UX immediately is to start talking to your learners. Now, for, and I know that that's really hard for a lot of different instructional design teams. I know it's hard, but if you can maybe partner up with marketing, for example, or partner up with the, with the UX team at your company and start thinking about research with the users, because the more that we as instructional designers understand who the user slash the learner is going to be, the better that we can solve their problems and ensure that they get the information that they need within their online training. So one thing to look at, um, I know that IDEO's design thinking frameworks have been thrown around. I've seen it a lot on LinkedIn. That might be a good starting point for somebody to look at design thinking to look at what kind of questions you might want to ask within a generative research interview. What is a facilitator guide? Um, 
all of these different tools and methods to, uh, to better understand and to build empathy with the user usually ensures a, the, the best starting point in terms of creating the best online solution for them. Yeah. So we talk, okay. So we've talked to them. And so then how do we even know, uh, you know, how to drop those wireframes I see you post or, um, you know, put buttons in a certain place, you know, they're not going to tell you in an interview. So how do you make right. some of those decisions? Right. That's a good question. So after you get the information you need and understand who the users or the learners are, then that's where you as an individual or team would start to draft out some concepts. And this can be as simple as a paper prototype if you like to draw um, or draw well. You can do just a simple sketch, but if you don't feel confident in your drawing skills, there are programs that you can play around with. Um, Envision is a really good beginner's prototyping tool. Um, I, I know many people have referenced in this field Adobe XD, and I, I have used that. Um, Adobe XD is part of the Adobe Creative Cloud. It's a prototyping tool. And you generate these very simple concepts, um, nothing flashy, but as you said, Robin, you might have what your, for example, that first slide might be um, within a, a training and you put sample content on there. You have a button that says next. After you generate these concept prototypes or sketches, you would then go back to your users and you would do kind of like a usability test where you would set aside time to interview with them, have them go through several different prompts where they, you would be asking them, can you get from step A to, to step B? and ask them what they're feeling, what they're thinking. You may want to take a look at what's called an empathy map. And it takes into account all of the different um, senses that a user might be feeling at a certain stage in time. But once you go through that concept testing, you'll have a much better idea as to what is working, what's not working, and you or your team can start to refine the design a little bit more until you may want to do a secondary usability test with a higher fidelity prototype. That's where you would bust out something in Adobe XD or Sketch or Figma if you're more advanced and do a secondary usability test. And then from there, you ship it out um, and you solicit feedback and you start the process all over again. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we like that iterative process. So, but, all right. So if I love how you like went deep on that because that's exactly what I wanted. And if you were to um, go and look over the shoulder of some of the e-learning developers, and I know that you now have like this UX, UI, I, and I'm sure that you've like, there's some kind of like pet peeves or something that you see all the time, or you're just like, I wish that e-learning developers would do this differently. Do you have any of those, like a list of any of that kind of stuff? Like you just like, be like, um, you know, e-learning developers, they always, you know, put white on yellow. And I know that's a UI thing, but anything like that, that you would tell them like, 
to consider for the user experience? I think and you bring up a really good point in terms of color contrast. Um, I think it's really important when you're starting a project, especially if you want to consider the UX in mind, um, that you take a look at. There's a, there's a few 508 compliances, so to be inclusive um, for people who may have a disability, there's something called a web um, AIM, AIM checker that I've, I've been pointed to. It works great. And you put several colors and sizes of text and, and it's able to tell you whether it's enough contrast or large enough or not. And that's a great resource. And that's a very good thing to start thinking about because a lot of training does not pay attention to um, accessibility compliancy. And I know, especially in the federal space, that that is becoming a very large thing and should be everywhere. So that's something um, to keep in mind. I know that I've seen some examples on LinkedIn of different instructional designers who are going through a series of challenges and articulate or captivate. And I'm starting to see one thing to consider is it could be the constraints of these authoring programs, but one thing to consider is when you have a call to action, so when you want a learner to press a next, or if you have a bunch of text that simply says click to continue and it looks the same as the rest of your written content, you may wanna consider those calls to action, something that the user needs to achieve in order to move forward, that it, it be a button or it definitely stand out as bold or another color because being very realistic, learners, especially with training that is on the job, they're gonna wanna go through it quickly. And so to have in the front of your mind calls to action being as easily placed and easily seen as possible um, that will prevent a lot of headaches later. Um, I know that with Articulate and Captivate that there's a lot of different um, characters that can be used and props. And I think sometimes what I see is that a lot of these characters and movements can be overused. And I actually want to reference somebody who has done a fantastic job. He did a lot of his work in PowerPoint, believe it or not. But I think it's a really good example of taking existing characters, but making very simple objects just to enlighten or make the aesthetic of a training just look that much better. And it's easy to do. And there was a, it was a, um, a training and, and development, um, training, learning, and development cast, and they highlighted Jonathan Rock. He's pretty popular on LinkedIn. And he went through this whole training that he, that he made in PowerPoint, but just being able to add different characters or elements that might be outside of the traditional authoring programs. And again, you don't have to be an artist. You can do this in PowerPoint. And it was fantastic. So I think being able to add other elements that are not the prefabricated characters all the time 
is one thing that would definitely help with UX and UI. I know exactly what you're talking about. It is the Stranger Things. Yes, yes. <laughs> I love that show. And I think I've probably watched like TLD cast, like maybe only like two of them. And I picked that one because it said Stranger Things. And then I, of course, had to watch the whole thing. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. Mm -hmm. It was so cool. I know exactly what you're talking about. I'll have to include a link in our show notes. Yes. Did you have, uh, did you have another thing that you were going to share before I had to chime in with Stranger Things? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I think that that summed it up. Yeah. So basically, like, please use a button. Don't like. Yes. <laughs> and what about uh, when people use buttons and also tell you to click the button? So there's a lot of controversy about that. Um, and I know that on my team that we've had that conversation, I, I am more in line. So if you look at traditional software, okay, it doesn't matter if you're, if you're on a task oriented website. Um, so for, for example, the probably the better one to give is TurboTax. So if you think about TurboTax, I have that wizard that takes you through on how to input all of your information. They have visuals, but they also have buttons to go next. I am always erring on the side of give more information. And I say that because while a lot of people think that you that UX should be intuitive, there's this whole mindset. And I talked about this on Off the Cuff with Alex. And there's this whole mindset of um, instructional designers who think, well, UX means that it should be so easy, I don't have to think about it. Well, that's not exactly true. Because as we all know, with being in more of an education field, um, what someone reads or what someone interacts with does not mean that they truly know. Um, everyone processes content in different ways, and I'm always on the side of adding. Even in instructional text, you can make it very short and sweet. Um, I think that you're, you're kind of losing valuable interaction or information if you do have that mindset of UX should be so easy that I don't have to think about it. But that's a really good question because I know it's a big controversy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I've even like messed with both versions and, and then it ended up, I end up just doing whatever the client wants. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, I'll leave off the text, like click the next button because it says like next on the button. Uh, mm -hmm. But, um, but then they're like, where's the, where's the click the next button. So then mm -hmm. you add it. But yeah, it's interesting to hear that perspective. I was, I thought you'd be all about just like what you said about how there is that, um, the discussion about, well, shouldn't it be intuitive? And if you've made the button big enough and bright enough, then they should just know to click it. Right. Yeah. But one thing that I will say though, so for if, if anyone happens to use Blackboard, for example, and no matter if it's the old version or in learn ultra, you might notice within using Blackboard, you know what buttons to press. You know how to upload um, or import your courses and add content, but 
you're going to see that there's actually instructional text explaining how you should do that. Um, and I know that working with that team that it can be really important. And again, you can't really, um, you can't, you always have to play to the lowest common denominator when it comes to who your user is. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, you're right. Cause I was just thinking about, I had to upload a video today and it just has the upload button, but it still says underneath it, you can drag and drop to upload too. Mm -hmm. So that kind of, I've seen where you're coming from because it does, it is important to know those extra things that you could do too in instructional text. Yes. Microcopy is one word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what is there um, some of, I know you've listed like quite a few resources, right? Like um, throughout this conversation, but what are like your favorite UX resources? Uh, for those who might want to learn a new tool or start applying UX design and e-learning or um, I know you've mentioned uh, pen and paper and Adobe XD. Is there anything else? Yes. So in terms of tools, and it's funny because I had a conversation earlier today about this. I think for somebody who is very excited to start prototyping and start playing around like the pros do, my recommendation would be to, it's a free account, do it for Envision. And I think it's officially called Envision app, but there it's so easy. You don't have to know any type of creative software. You can upload an image, or I think about this field, if you happen to have um, storyboards, for example, for a course, you can upload screen caps of those. And then all you do is you mask out hotspots. So that way, if you have a set of storyboards, you're able to click through what the interactions are going to be and you don't have to know all of the fancy tools. And the advantage of Envision is that you can send it to somebody, they don't have to have an account and you can add comments, they can add comments. Um, that's one of the easiest tools to start getting in and playing and thinking about UX and prototyping. But for those who might be more advanced, I would probably say Adobe XD is a good starting point, but industry standard would be Sketch. Um, now Sketch does cost $99 a year, um, but it is industry standard. It only works on Mac. Um, so that's something to keep in mind, but if you happen to work on a Windows computer or a Mac and you just want to take it to the next level, Figma. Figma is a program that a lot of companies are moving towards because much like Envision, you have the ability to share what you're working on and solicit comments and feedback from different people on your team. Um, now, some of the parts of it and functions might be a little complex in comparison to, say, Adobe XD or even Envision, but I do think for those who want to get a more robust prototyping experience, those are the way, the way to go. Um, I also use Miro, M-I-R-O, um, which is a sticky note web application. And what's cool is I use that 
for anything from research to mind mapping to process improvement um, with my team. And you can sign up for a free account and get five boards, but they have a ton of templates that you can use as well, which is nice. So if you're, for example, working on a project and you need to map out that process, there is a process map. There's a mind mapping or idea session template. So that is also a really great resource to start laying out your ideas visually. Um, I'm trying to think about in terms of other resources. Um, for this class that I'm taking, so I am enrolled um, part-time at Austin Community College and I'm taking one class at a time. But we have a book that, and the, the course I'm taking is User Interface Design 1. And the book that we have, and I've been referencing on LinkedIn recently, is called Simply Designing Interfaces. And they're coming out with a brand new version in January. So I would probably hold off until January because some of these are pretty outdated. But this is a good book so far. Um, we use web apps and mobile apps all day long. We have been for years, but what's cool about this, this book is that it breaks down within the chapters what these different design patterns are. So I know that I've written about, for example, wizards. We've used wizards for years on the web. Wizards help um, a user to go through a step-by-step -step process. But understanding the who, the why, when would you use it, what are some pros, what, what are some cons, that's just one example. There's a whole host of other patterns that, again, we see everywhere and that are also very applicable, including layout um, and, and design and introducing graphic design principles that we can use within instructional design for our work. So I would highly recommend that book. But again, I would wait until the next version comes out because some of these um, we're probably familiar with, but they're becoming dated <laughs> at this point. So those are some good places to start. IDEO, um, IDEO's website, IDEO, um, has some good um, information on design thinking. But to start, I would definitely check all that out. Well, I'm so glad you shared that uh, the book with us because I was going to say, okay, so now we got the tools. What are some? Uh, what are some of your favorite books? But I'm sold. I think that uh, simply designing interfaces sounds like a great place to start, especially if it includes uh, both the why you would use certain interactions and then graphic design. Because I know that uh, most most of us could use better graphic design and visual communication skills and our e-learning courses. So that is an excellent resource. What about um, besides that textbook, when you were, you know, I'm sure that you were looking into UX and UI before you ever started taking the courses. What were your favorite places to go and stalk? Oh, <laughs> so I think, you know, cause I, I was, Again, I, I was given an opportunity to be a UX designer without much background or training. And so a lot of it was on the job. But when I did 
take a look. Uh, Medium has a lot of good articles. I'm also finding that um, there's another one. I think it's UX pin. Um, oh, so that's a, looks like it's a prototyping tool. But I know that I've seen articles. I can't think of off the top of my head, Rob. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, don't even worry about it. I, I found one too, um, where it actually goes through, I don't, I can't even remember if it's UX or UI, but it like teaches you and it's one of those like scrolly telling. Uh, oh, that's cool. Yeah, so I'll have to include that in the comments too. Um, so yeah, this is, these are all a great place. To uh, Did you find so, it? Here, yeah, I found it. It wasn't UX pen, it was UX planet. <laughs> UX planet um, I've gotten information from and uh, I don't know and people who might be listening and on this I I was accepted to teach a, a little online course for they've changed their name recently but it's a it's a group of individuals who've come together the professional resources or something like that for instructional designers and it was an online course on canvas back in july and a lot of the articles came from ux planet um, and i believe that the course is actually still available i worked with the um with the one lady pauline to make sure that it was still up but it was a course about how ux can fit into and how it can directly translate into the roles responsibilities and the work within instructional design oh yeah and i think i did check that out after you done that course and hosted it and it was still live so i'll try and go get that link too yeah that's great that's a, that would be another really good resource to hear it straight from melanie <laughs> uh all right so here it is you've given us so much insight on ux and ui i think people are pretty interested in finding out more and so since they're all um, wanting to become an instructional designer and they want to um, learn all these different parts of instructional design, what is your actual best tip for um, new instructional designers? So I think some advice that I would give because, you know, Robin and I had this conversation prior to the podcast where a lot of people <laughs> don't they they study this but most of the time it happens to be educators or people from outside of education who find themselves into this field and i think when you're looking to come to this field i think be very curious and that's a very uxy statement to say but be very curious ask a lot of questions um when you're presented with a project to create a training, I would not uh, fear being bold. I think that's one aspect of this field. I wish that more individuals were, were bold and questioning and actually pushing the limits. <laughs> um, I think, and we see this all the time, a lot of training that is existing for adults um, could be pushed a little bit more. Um, and there's tons of tools, free resources out there. And I think just coming in with a healthy appetite of curiosity. <laughs> yeah. 
I think that's an excellent tip. Um, nobody has said that tip before, but I think you're absolutely right. Um, curiosity, wanting to learn and pushing it further because people who are new to instructional design are going to come in with new perspectives and maybe they should push a little bit harder to find out like, well, maybe this perspective that I have coming from 20 years of education or curriculum design or whatever could inform uh, the way we do adult learning in corporate space or uh, wherever that is. Right, exactly. Yeah, so Melanie, thank you so, so much for coming on and sharing uh, just a small dose of your expertise with us. Well, thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you, thank you. All right, lady, that's it. Cool. <laughs> Very cool. Thank you so much for listening. You can find the show notes for this episode at idlecourses.com. If you like this podcast and you want to become an instructional designer and online learning developer, join me in the Idle Courses Academy where you'll learn to build all the assets you'll need to land your first job, early access to this podcast, tutorials for how to use the e-learning authoring tools, templates for everything course building, and paid instructional design experience opportunities. You'll find more information on idlecourses.com. Now get out there and build transcendent courses. Thank you.